22-year absence, the Boston Celtics are NBA champions once again. Back to full. Red Sox fans have longed to hear it. The Boston Red Sox are world champions. Seven seconds. They got Benetarian range. I'll tell you, what Tom Brady just did gives me goosebumps. Wide again for Tierney. Tierney's cross. Lucic, top of the circle, Horton, the drive, score! The Bruins knock out Montreal! Hey there, and welcome back to another episode of the Boston Sports Extra Podcast Celtics Edition. My name is Travis Babcock, and I'm joined here by my fellow Celtics writer, Kyle Porch. How's What's going, going on? Good, good, man. I'm ready to talk some Celtics. We have a lot of stuff to discuss here today, but first I just want to take a moment to thank SeatGeek for sponsoring the show. SeatGeek is the leading search engine for sports, concert, theater, and live entertainment tickets. SeatGeek is offering $20 off your first purchase for the listeners of our show when you use the code BSE at checkout. Pretty cool stuff there for SeatGeek. Always. Yeah, yeah. So let's kick it off with some Jabari Bird talk here. Because he's oh, kind of the hot topic of the of the week here for this Boston sports going on right now. So, um, as we know, Jabari Bird has been arrested. He uh, has been in the hospital over the last of course of this last week um, after uh, allegedly assaulting a woman. I'm, I would think it was his girlfriend. I believe it was his girlfriend. Yeah, yeah. His girlfriend. Um, apparently, he was something about choking. All kinds of bad stuff going on with Jabari Bird. What do you think about this, Porchy? I mean, it, it kind of came out of nowhere. Like, it was just like a typical, like, mid-morning afternoon thing. And then all of a sudden, like, everyone got some sort of notification, whether it was ESPN, Bleach Report. And it's just like, it's one of those things, like, you look at it and then you're like, wait, what the heck did that just say? And, like, it's like Jabari Bird, a guy fighting for a roster spot on the Celtics roster. And then he went and did something this it, 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 it's vicious, you know, it, it's just like, it's something that should not be acceptable anywhere. I mean, I feel bad for the victim prayers for her and her family, but I mean, it's, it's just crazy. But at the same time, it's very sad. I agree with you, man. I mean, like Jabari bird was, is not that you just don't expect a player on this team. Like you don't expect it from anybody, but you don't expect it a player from this Boston Celtics team. Who's like, been so devoted to being like super selfless and nice and like everybody just kind of messes with everybody and like yeah. to hear it come out of Boston like for it to be a Celtic player with that news was just crazy to me yeah. I just couldn't believe it do you, you think he's he's done he's no he's no place in this league anymore I, I mean it, it shouldn't be a place in any professional sport or even just real life I mean we we can kind of take what's happening with Roberto Ozuna right now and mm-hmm. co- kind of compare the situation because they're identical. But sure. at the same time, Roberto Ozuna shouldn't be allowed to pitch. He's he's currently standing trial. He shouldn't be allowed to play. But, I mean, he's playing because he's a bigger name. Javari Bird, he's basically a rookie-type player. I mean, he had no minutes, barely any minutes in the professional league anyway. I mean, I, I just don't see him bouncing back from this. You I, know, I don't. What's interesting to me is when you think – I think of Ray Rice, okay? Because Ray Rice, he was caught on video. Maybe the difference here is that Ray Rice was caught on video. But, like, this Jabari Bird incident wasn't that major, like, cover of ESPN News. 
It, yeah. it may have had to do something with the fact that he's a you know guy fighting for a position on the team, but it was kind of swept under the rug a little bit, I think, yeah. by the media. Yeah, I mean, uh, especially like nowadays, because you're hearing it so much from the NFL. You're starting to hear it now a little bit in MLB over the last couple of years. I I feel like, I feel like coverage like especially major coverage like ESPN, they they don't really want to talk about the negative aspect of it because it, it brings up more conversations than what league owners and commissioners want to talk about. Mm-hmm. It, it's uncomfortable, and everything uncomfortable usually gets swept under the rug because no one wants to talk about it because in order to, to handle something, you need to talk about it first. And without the conversation, we don't get progress, and that's why these occur. Right. Well – with Jabari Bird set to set to be, he's not going to be released by the team. I heard that the way they're going to play it, Boston's going to play this, is they're basically letting the NBA kind of figure this out. And because it's a violation of NBA rules, Boston's going to save some salary cap here by not releasing him and making the NBA basically like ban him, yep. essentially. So when yep. that happens, because it's, it's going to happen, somebody's got to fill his role. And I know – Two things. First thing, let's get over. Let's get let's get this out of the way here real quick because I don't know if, if Marcus George's hunt is our answer. Um, he was worked out by Boston uh, just over, over the weekend, and uh, he played 42 games for Minnesota. He averaged a point of contest. Um, he's basically a G League player. Yeah. Uh, do you have and, any take on Marcus George's hunt? I mean, interesting story enough. I believe it was after last year's draft we signed him as an undrafted free agent. And the dude was an explosive player from Georgetown, I believe he was from. And yeah. dude was just phenomenal offensive threat. But it, it just never translated to the NBA. So he ended up going Minnesota. Kind kind of just like that guy, like, oh, we're down by 20. Go in, just just, just make it – just protect what we got. Mm-hmm. But I, I, I just don't see him being this pivotal, especially a team that can go deep in a playoff run. I feel like the answers in, uh, I don't know, maybe a man named Jamal Crawford. My boy Jamal. Jamal Crawford would be huge benefit to joining this Boston club. Yeah, I'm I'm stoked by that news that came out today with him. Uh, Adam Kaufman of WBZ uh, News Radio, he's a big Boston reporter. He uh, he came out with some information saying that they have mutual interest. Mm-hmm. Um, I know that Jamal Crawford has been linked to a lot of big name teams because he's at the tail end. He's at the twilight of his career. He's eight, yeah. 18 years pro. I mean, the dude has been everywhere. He is looking for hardware. He's looking for a ring before he retires. And I think you're looking at Golden State or Boston, right, at this point? Yeah, because I was reading additional reports from – can't really call them 100% reliable sources because it was on Twitter – but there are three teams he's looking into is Boston, Golden State, and the Rockets. Sure. And all all championship contenders. I mean, the Rockets, I I would say, have a harder run to the championship than the Celtics or or the Warriors. But I mean, he, he's a he's a guy that fits in multiple ways. He can shoot beyond the three very well. Mm-hmm. He's a very good offensive player. Beautiful passer. Some of the best passes I've ever seen in a game came from him. But not only that, is we have so many guards. And it kind of helps the boy that we've always been talking about, Terry Rozier. Mm-hmm. Jamal Crawford's – he's won how many six-man-of-the-year awards in his career? Three. He's won three. He can – especially with Rozier going finally back to the bench, he could he could literally be the one-on-one mentor for Terry Rozier. 
And I feel that's a solid, even if we pick him up on veterans minimum, that that's a solid pickup. I agree, man. The one thing he doesn't do well is defend. That's yeah. the one, this is one knock his whole career. He can't defend. He's, I want to say Kobe, but honestly, to be honest with you, Kobe's actually a pretty good defender. Kobe, We're really good. Um, <laughs> Mama um, mentality. <laughs> offense only. No. Um, he, he, yeah, he brings that vet, vet, that vet presence, offensive spark. Agree with you 100%. Um, he put up 10 points per game last year in Minnesota. Um, he, if he came to Boston, I'd expect a little bit less of a role. I think Boston would be looking for more of a vet mentor, more of that type of like veteran leadership. Um, cause we're so young, you know, Al Horford's been kind of carrying the load here. Um, <laughs> as far as having the old guy on the team, you know, throw another yeah. one on there. Um, but yeah, like you said, he's won three six man of the year awards. He his last one was in 2016. Well, yeah. two years ago, man. Yeah, like the, two years ago he was six man of the year. Yeah, the dude's 38, but he still plays like a solid 30 year old. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't again. I wouldn't expect huge role. Yeah, I, mean, I don't think because we're so deep at guard position. I just don't. I mean, he he would get minutes because he's been around, but um, I just think his veteran presence. Yeah. Sure. I mean, to go along with what you're just saying, I mean, I can't find a position we're not deep in. Mm-hmm. We got multiple people everywhere. Yeah. I mean, lengthy and switchability. Big yeah. Time. And he fits that. I mean, he is long and lengthy. He doesn't defend, but he can put him in a couple different positions on the court and he'll do his job. Exactly. Not only that is he's always been touted as a great clubhouse guy. He's always a great locker room presence that, like, everyone wants. Mm-hmm. especially chemistry goes a long way. It's so underrated in sports, but you, you cannot tell a team. Well, a team that's won any sort of championship, they always have some sort of great chemistry. You, you don't see a bunch of selfish players winning a ring. It, it doesn't work like that. I mean, look at Golden State. Yeah. They are the epiphany of great chemistry, and I feel that's a huge part of their success. That's also why I don't want him to go to – to Golden State. <laughs> Everybody goes to Golden State these days, man. Yeah. I mean, Jesus. Be the first guy. Give me, yeah. Be the first veteran to actually take the challenge in like and he's 38, so he's been, he's played the old school game. So if there's a guy who's gonna like spurn the Warriors, a guaranteed championship, to actually like fight for a ring, it would be Jamal Crawford. And I really exactly. hope he doesn't. You know, like, and going from team to team, I think Eminem put it real clearly in his uh, new album. He's been put through the ringer. Jamal Crawford, that boy's been through war and back, and he still doesn't have the ring. I, I feel he comes to Boston. We might be able to get you that ring, pal. That's right. I mean, that's not me, man. I want a fighter. You know, Boston likes their fighters, you know. So You know who else is a fighter? Gordon Hayward. And oh, uh, my boy is back. And he's back, baby. He, uh, in his recent presser, he's announced that he's 100% ready to go. Ready to go for training camp. You know, it was, it was reported, it was reported that he was going to be ready to go by Brad Stevens a couple weeks ago, but hearing it from Gordon himself, you know, it's a lot more soothing. A lot more soothing. How excited are you, man? I mean, this, this goes, this stems back all the way to the Independence Day, July 4th, two years ago. Everyone like was anticipating, especially when it broke out that he signed, but he wasn't actually sure. So you were you were on hold for five hours to hear the same thing, and then just just the build up. I mean, his first preseason with the Celtics, he looked amazing. He looked he looked wicked good, like better than 
than I could anticipate anybody could anticipate. Then, of course, there's an injury and stuff like that, but he's 100%. So you know that means one of two things. When he says he's 100%, he's more or less 1,000% because every athlete's going to say they're 100% when they're like 50%. Just because they have the hunger, the drive, they want to be on the court. They want to be in the action. The second thing is this boy's hungry. He played five minutes of the NBA season last year. Out of 82 games, he played for five minutes. Mm -hmm. He's going to have twice the drive to do good and show the fans that he's here and he wants to help this team succeed. But he also has the inner drive to be like, I can bounce back from this. I won't be defined by that one horrific injury. I'm going to prove everybody wrong. Yeah. Because like every player, he's going to have doubts. Yeah. No, I mean, if you read his um, – when he when he agreed to, to go to Boston after leaving Utah, which was his home. He loved Utah. He loved yeah. that, that place. Um, he f- talked about unfinished business, you know, and, and him reuniting with Brad Stevens was a big factor in that, you know. And you, you have the emotions of like going through like a move like that, leaving all your friends and family and your team behind to, to – going to a new place, especially with Gordon Hayward's personality, he's a very quiet, reserved guy. That's a big move for him. Yeah. Like, you know, and then to five, like you said, five minutes into a season, it's yeah. just he's got to reset, the, you know. So yeah. training camp's coming up, man. You know he's ready to just tear some heads off out there when he gets out my court. It's going to be crazy. And the, and, the pers- and the persona, like you just brought it up, he, he's that introverted guy that like face-to-face, but – if, if you see some of his videos and especially like his own personal blog, like the dude's very intelligent, but he's a very, you know, outgoing, worried about everyone else besides him, like mentality. And I feel that's just going to be so pivotal, pivotal for this team. Yeah. 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 I'm ready for it. And, uh, sorry, Michael, <laughs> you're gonna have to cut this one out. I kind of zoned out there. Okay. <laughs> Let's get on to some uh, Eastern and Western Conference, uh, some standings here. I want to kind of like bounce back and forth and see what your predictions are for this season going ahead because, you know, it's prediction time. It's prediction time for NBA starting to to list their top 100 players. You know, they're getting into like preseason rankings. It's like the thing to do right now at this point yeah. in the So um, Size up who's in the West. All right, who I got in the West? Yeah, well, hit me with your West. Let's go West first. All right, I'm going to do it a little unorthodox. I'm going to start from eight and go up to one, just just to build a suspension because we already know who's going to be number one. So for eight, I got Denver. Ooh, okay. Just, I got Denver just because they got the young guys. They re-signed um, – and I can't think of his name right now. But um, they made some they made some small, impactful moves this offseason. I feel they can get over that hump but get swept first round, which is Okay. Uh, seven, I got San Antonio because Manu Ginobili is retired. They don't have Kawhi Leonard. I want to see how Popovich can manage this team without a pledged superstar besides Tony Parker, who's very, very old now. Uh, six, I got Utah just because Donovan Mitchell was the hype last year. Sure, and yeah. This- this is going to be pivotal for him because he he's he's basically an NBA superstar after the year he had last year. He has the weight of his entire city and his entire team on his shoulders. What I want to see if he can handle that pressure and elevate his game. If he can do that, he'll probably the team will definitely be higher than six. But if he can't do that, I think six is a very very relative spot for this team. Mm-hmm. Five, I got New Orleans. 
They don't have DeMarcus Cousins no more. He's yeah, he's gone. But but they didn't really have him the entire second half of last season either. Sure, sure. You still got Anthony Davis, who's one of the best big men in the league. Who do you think fills in the uh, point guard spot? Her balling on you. Yeah, I don't even know who they have on their depth chart because do they still have Drew Holiday? Uh, I believe yeah, they just have Drew Holiday. Yeah, then he'll probably he'll probably take point guard. I like Drew Holiday; he's a great player, even yeah. a better guy too. Even a better guy, huh? Well, even a better guy. Let me see here. Yeah, it's gonna be Drew, but Drew, the thing is, Drew already was a starter last year, so yeah. I mean, it's tough. Maybe Alfred Payton might come in and take over point guard. Oh yeah, he, he he's a pretty good guy. I mean, even if they flex him at the two, though. I wouldn't be terrible. Yeah, not bad. Not bad. I mean, that that's a good uh, guard duo. The tandem should the tandem's there. Let's just see if if they can coagulate and stuff sure. like that. Uh, for four, yeah, I think I'm on four. Uh, I got Oklahoma City. Okay. Actually, no, I'm gonna put Portland there. I'm gonna <laughs> put Portland there. Curveball, all right. Yeah, just just because. Huge OKC fan. They're, they're doing pretty good. But, uh, I mean, Portland, Damian Lillard, superstar, low-key good rapper too. Um, the team's got it. They, they've had the roster to compete for the last three or four seasons now. It all depends when they're going to attack. I mean, you can have you can have the best team in the league, but if you guys don't play, you're not, you're not going to get to the big show. And I feel that's just a statement with them right now. Mm-hmm. For three, I got OKC because Russell Westbrook, Paul George, Stephen Adams, one of the best centers in the league, if not the best center in the league. Adams. He he, he is so underrated. Throughout the seasons, when when you get coverage from OKC, you don't hear Stephen Adams. You rarely hear Stephen Adams unless when you get kicked in the balls by Draymond Green. (laughs) <laughs> you you don't hear Stephen Adams. He he's the best. He's statistically the best offensive rebounding center in the league. Really, I believe. Yeah, I, I mean, last, I believe that. I, I last know. time I checked, I'm pretty sure he averaged like eight offensive boards or something. It, like the dude's phenomenal. I mean, great great post offense. His defense is horrendous. Like, I don't really know many centers that are getting past that guy. And he's the youngest of like thirteen kids, so he knows how to be bullied around. He can handle a seven foot two guy. Mm-hmm. Like enough said with OKC. Two, I have a feeling Houston's not going to be able to retain the number one spot, so no. I'm gonna put them at number two just because, just the way they collapsed in the final game, I just don't see them building up that momentum again and stealing the number one spot like they did last year. I just don't see it. And then number one's obviously going to be Golden State. Not much to talk about there. They're stacked. <laughs> they're loaded. Yeah. DeMarcus Cousins helped them even more. Yeah, they Thanks, only, bro. They only just added a guy who averaged 26 and 11. Yeah. For, for like $5 million. Thanks. <laughs> DeMarcus yeah. Cousins, if, if you're hearing this, thanks a lot, pal. <laughs> All right. No, that's good, man. The West is really tight. You know, the West is – talent <laughs> it's it's all talent man i mean it when i when i put my my west standings in here i had to kick some hard teams out like i had to make some hard decisions you know yeah. that man um because i think there's there's teams in the west like eight nine ten that could be seven or six seats in the east like i'm yeah. just gonna be honest the east just isn't as strong we all know it yeah. so 
Yeah, I mean, my 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 uh my lineup's a little bit different than yours. I have New Orleans at eight. Okay. I have them a little bit lower, only because of the loss to Marcus Cousins. Yeah. They're still a playoff team. Yeah. I just uh, I don't really see. I see them just a slight fallback with losing Rondo is my whole thing there. Yeah. Um, Portland at seven. So we have a much different a much different uh, flip flop there with Portland. Um, that was a tough decision for me because, you know, Damian Lillard came out, um, I know, with the podcast a couple of weeks back where he was saying, oh, we're going to, you know, we have the makings of a championship team and everything. Um, so, yeah, no, you got Portland there. Denver, I'm just going to list a couple of these here. We got Denver at six. L.A., I have to mention L.A., Porchy, because you didn't you didn't mention L.A. in here. What about LeBron? So you can't. <laughs> I, I, I know the Lakers are a playoff team. But I left them out with an intention. I left the Lakers out with the intention of I want to see how LeBron can manage his young core guys. We know LeBron can do it. We know they're probably going to end up in the lower half of the conference. But, I mean, LeBron's LeBron. He's going to ball out. But at the same time, I want to see how this team can play, grow chemistry, and just indulge with each other before that's- I can – before I could put them as a playoff team, because that's a, that's a huge move. That's a huge investment for one you're, guy. Yes, you're talking about lot, bottom to top, right? Yeah. Because um, I believe they finished. <laughs> yeah, LA finished 11th in the conference last year. That's a 11th, huge jump. 11th in the conference, but I've always I've always stood by the belief that LeBron James can take the Brooklyn Nets to the playoffs. And if yeah. I think he could take the Brooklyn freaking Nets to the playoffs, <laughs> I, I I'm just gonna I'm gonna go. I'm gonna hop on that LA LeBron chain train, and I'm gonna put him at five. That's as long cool. as you stay on the Boston train, we're good. Oh, we're on the Boston train, <laughs> but but I'm right. That LeBron is gonna do good things for the Lakers. There's no yeah. doubt. Um, so okay, I got them at five. I got Utah at four because I agree with you. I think Utah is. Um, if I had to say, if I had to list the top four teams for like in the next five years, who's gonna be top four teams? Utah's in there. I think. Yeah. Philly, Boston, Golden State, Utah. Utah's that good. Um, got a lot of young young pieces. So um, I got Oklahoma City at four. I kind of flip flip flop that with you. I put Houston. Oh wait, I'm throwing off here. I'm sorry. Oklahoma City <laughs> at three. Houston okay. at Golden State at one. Everybody knows Golden State's one. Yeah, unless like Steph Curry and Klay Thompson go down like the same exact time of the season, like nothing's yeah. gonna change. Nothing's changing there. Eastern Conference. We're an Eastern Conference team. We're talking about the Boston Celtics here. So uh, here's where our knowledge will really kick in here, Porgy. You want to go uh, first? I'll, I'll let you go first. I want, I want to see what you got here. Okay. All right. All right. So here we go. I got eighth seed, guys. No, don't, don't judge me here. I'm putting New York. I'm putting the Knicks in the eighth seed. I know. You give me that look. But Whoa. Yeah. <laughs> Whoa. Uh, Explain yeah. this real quick. So New York, uh, what was it, about a third of the way through the season last year, maybe closer to halfway point, they were about a 500 team. Um, Porzingis went out. You know, they were right hovering back and forth around that 500 mark. Porzingis got injured, dive bomb. Just total just nosedive into the lower half of the standings. So I think Porzingis coming back. Um, and you, the thing about the Eastern Conference is – you don't have to be that good to make the playoffs. In the and I understand that, but didn't they just release Ennis Cantor too? They did. I'm just – I'm the unicorn, man. I'm hopping on that unicorn's back. 
<laughs> Hopefully Boston you don't break his break damn back. <laughs> Boston's playing New York in the first round. We're going to get a Boston-New York matchup. Spoiler alert for that one scene there. Um, Washington, Washington's going to fit at seven because um, I just uh, – John Wall and Bradley Buell are just too savage of a backcourt to just not put them in the playoffs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Miami's at six for me. I put Miami up. I think that they are such a fun team. Their fans are are – are awesome. They have a great like vibe going on right now with Goran Dragic, Dwayne Wade's coming back. Like I'm just I'm I believe Miami can make the playoffs and not just make the playoffs, but I think they can make some noise for that six five, maybe four seed like we saw last year where they're all tight tight six five four last year was great. Yeah, so that, that was a huge part. Yeah, so that the six five four matchup for me is not changing much. I got Miami at six, Indiana at five because Indiana's always there, always middle of the pack in the playoffs. And Milwaukee at four. To me, the top four teams in the East, we all know Boston, Toronto, Philly, and Milwaukee. Um, Milwaukee's on that upswing. I know we dismantled them last year in the playoffs, but Giannis has got great tricks up his sleeves. I see an MVP one day for that guy. Um, Not bad. Yeah. No Cleveland, though. No Cleveland. 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 Not only does Cleveland not make the playoffs, Cleveland's getting the top one of the top three picks in the fan, in the NBA draft next year. They're Damn. the world's gonna see how bad that team is without LeBron James. Hopefully, MGK don't hear you. <laughs> yeah. So, and I also, by the way, I'm putting Toronto above Philly. I know everybody's hyped about Philly, but Toronto they did get slightly better with that Kawhi Leonard pickup. As long as he's willing to play, they were the number one seed in, in the in the Eastern Conference last year. So, and they, they build up on one of their biggest weaknesses, and that was transitional defense. Yeah. Like, oh, especially if you had one guy that was slacking, they move, if the other team moves up the ball quick, eight times out of ten, they're hitting that shot. Yeah. Eight times out of ten, the other team's hitting that shot. I, I believe, and correct me if I'm wrong if you know this, I believe they were top five in both offense and defense last year. Yeah. In the league. And that is that, – that Golden State didn't even achieve that. Golden State wasn't even in the top five in defense last year. So they are a very well-balanced team. Sure, they lost the head coach, but – yeah, I mean, for for a hell of a coach of the year, he, he stayed in Toronto long after that. <laughs> How many times does a coach of the year get fired after his, his award, you know, right before his award ceremony? What a joke. Anyway. I think it's like, what, two or three maybe in NBA history? <laughs> it's crazy, man. Like, that's uh, just abysmal. What do you got, man? All right. So at eight, I got Miami. Just because I'm putting enough respect and confidence in Dwayne Wade to make that into a better playoff team i i don't know i mean white size just not that huge player everyone thought he was going to be i mean he has some maturity issues and i mean he, he needs help with his defense he, he's not that because i i i'm pretty sure when they drafted him they thought they're going to get a huge a huge like threat for people trying to score inside and it, it's just not working mm-hmm. so I, mean, I don't know what they got to do but i mean don't sleep on Spolstra. i guess he, he's all right he's a good coach so seven, seven. This one's my only shakeup. I got Charlotte. Ooh, I got Charlotte. Just Ooh. cause, just cause, Kaminsky's po- sort of playing well. Sort of getting there. And you got Kemba. Kemba's the top five point guard in the league. Kemba All Star next year. Yes. I like it. I like yeah. it. Let's change it up. Let's see. That's all yeah. right. 
Yeah, I mean, you got to give all the guys a shot. I mean, if I got to put faith in a playoff team that didn't make it last year, my bet Charlotte. So, so no love for New York, I'm assuming. You're not putting New York in six. No, there's no love for New York. <laughs> no love at all for New York. Okay. I mean, they're, they're just not there. Ever since Phil Jackson landed and left, I mean, he left in worse shape than when he got there. So I don't know what New York's going to do, but I don't see him in the playoffs for a while. <laughs> just, just God, Porzingis, if you get the chance, just bail like everyone else. <laughs> Literally, like I feel so bad for him just then, because I, I feel so bad for the unicorn, man. He put so much effort and work into a like a 498 percentage win-loss <laughs> record. Oof. Well, um, hey, real quick, we have a uh, an, uh, a guy joining us here on this podcast about halfway through. What's up, John? Eh, not too much. What's up with you guys? Oh, we're just uh, we're just chatting about the Eastern Conference and the Western Conference uh, standing shakeout right now. Uh, Porsche's out here about to finish round out the Eastern Conference for us. So, Porsche, why don't you uh, go ahead and take off six through one real quick? All right, so six. I got Cleveland just because Sexton's a, he's a real deal. Five, I got Indiana. Indiana's a solid team. Four, I got Milwaukee. Three, Philly. Two, Toronto. And then one, your Boston Celtics, defending champs. Well, not defending champs, but they will be the defending champs next year. <laughs> Ooh, I like it. All right. Um, not bad, not bad. So we got we got a little bit of differences in there from each one. Of course, you like it. I like, yeah, yeah. I like my my favorite is my New York Knicks, you know, picking them in there. What do you think? Hey, John, what do you think? Is New York making the playoffs next year in the East, or is that too bold of a statement? Uh, I think that is very bold at the moment. I mean, there's a lot of young talent, but the East, honestly, this year is quite wide open, um, especially since there's a lot of teams that, that could possibly make a serious push for the playoffs and, and the, uh, the conference finals. So Indiana's in there, Milwaukee's in there, Boston's in there, Philadelphia's in there, obviously. And then outside of that, there's a lot unknown. But I still, I think New York, I mean, they have Kristoffs, and he's a great, don't get me wrong, he's a great power forward, and he's going to be a great addition to the team. And he is. He's great, perfect for him. But you need another star to, to get to the playoffs in this league. You can't be a one-star team and push into the playoffs anymore. That that's Milwaukee's downfall because they only have really Giannis. Hey, uh, I would say Malcolm Brogdon and oh, don't hate on my Christian or Chris Middleton. You gotta give a shot. Oh yeah, see he's on there too. And then you got uh, Eric Bledsoe who was a star at Phoenix there for a few years and kind of fell out because he wasn't interested in the program anymore. You mean Drew Bledsoe? <laughs> <laughs> I was just about to say my board. He ain't got nothing on my board. All right, but hey, y'all don't at me when New York sneaks into the playoffs and we're Boston's playing them first round. Just All right, but I will at you when they're like 12th in the conference. <laughs> I will at you at that point. All right, well, we're going to get into some buy, and, buy or sell here and play a little game with y'all. So we're going to go through a couple different topics here and uh, buy or sell on it. Tell me why. Uh, John, we'll start with you since you just hopped on here. Um, my first buy or sell, Boston will finish the season with a top two record in basketball. Oh, that's uh, – I'm going to sell that because there's so much talent in the West at the moment. And Boston has a loaded squad, but 
with Golden State and Houston still running around over there, and Philly might mesh well. We got to see Boston stay healthy for a year. I mean, Kyrie struggled with injuries all year. Hayward is still a good bit of an unknown. I love the young talent. I wrote a piece earlier this uh, last week about it, but top two, I think, is really bold with the West still being the overbearing, you know, having the overbearing load of talent. Right. That's fair. That's fair. I mean, that's why we call it by ourselves, right? It's a yeah. tough, it's a tough call here. So, I mean, real quick, I'm, I'm, I'm buying. I'm sorry. I'm just too hyped about this team. Um, <laughs> they, I mean, to me, top to bottom. Would you agree, top to bottom? Would you guys agree, top to bottom? They have on paper the second best roster in the league. Yeah. Yeah, I can agree with that. Yeah. Yeah. So Toronto was the. They led the, they led the East last year. They had the third best record in the league, correct? Yes. You know, Boston's going to surpass them this year, so that's not an issue. You talk yeah. about when it comes to the top three teams in the league, to me it's Houston, Golden State, and Boston. Uh, did you guys think, for example, do you think Carmelo Anthony helps Houston, or do you think it's going to do kind of like what it did to Oklahoma City and kind of almost hurt them in a way? That's my thing. I think I don't know if gel-wise it's going to work enough for – He's just going to be there. He takes too many shots than what he's worth. OKC, he took 17 shots a game, and he barely averaged 15 points per game. That's terrible. Yeah, takes a lot. Like, you're not 25 years old no more. Be the role player that you were signed to be. Take, like, 8 to 10 shots a game and pass the ball. I I, I think Mark D'Antoni still is uh, top three coach in the, in the league right now. I think Greg Popovich is starting to kind of fall out of that, especially with Brad Stevens pushing him. D'Antoni is an offensive mastermind. Yeah, That staff in Houston is better than a lot of people want to give him credit for because, I mean, Chris Paul and James Harden, they're great players, but this is what we were talking about last year. How are they going to mesh together? How are they going to be able to share shots? And it didn't really seem to affect the team as a whole. Now, the only thing I would be worried about I'm not too worried about Carmelo with the team. I'm worried about the bench because they traded almost everybody away to make room so they could keep these star players. And we all know you got to be at least nine deep to really make a, a serious push. But again, this is what we talked about last year. It didn't seem to hurt Houston. It's fair. Yeah. To put Porchy based on that, are you buying or selling? Well, I mean, it's like an auction house. You're always going to have someone buying something. You're always going to have people selling something. I'm buying on the Celtics team. Okay. And just, just to throw a little fire to the coal system we got going on here, I think they're going to have the best record in the league. Whoa. Ooh. I think they're going to have the best record in the league. And I'm going to explain why. So everyone's scared DeMarcus Cousins to the Warriors is going to be the backbone, be all, say all. They're going to be better than when they won 72. I say no because it's reported he's not going to be able to play till around January. So he's missing almost half a season. And at that point, he would have been off the court for about a year in, like, an actual NBA game. It, it ta- Yes, he's going to be around the guys, you know, building chemistry. But his game is totally different from Golden State's game. Golden State loves passing the ball. They love getting the guy open shots around the perimeter. And if they need that big guy to score, they can. DeMarcus Cousins will sit there with the ball for 10 to 15 seconds and drive in and try to work one guy. 
it's a different system. And that's why I've kind of said from the beginning, it's a bad fit. And they just got him for the name. And he just joined on for the ring. I feel Boston as a team that they all fit for the same system and they all played for each other and not for themselves. And I feel Eastern Conference is a lot easier to get wins than the Western Conference. So, yeah, I like Boston with the number one record. Interesting. I mean, if they all stay healthy, who knows? I think, uh, John, I think you hit it right off the bat when you said um, we need to see this team play as a unit healthy before we make any crazy calls, you know? Um, Okay, well, let's move on, guys. do you guys think Boston will have a Boston will have a surprise All Star this year? You buying or selling? I could buy it. Yeah, I can buy it just just because the, the lack of talent on the Eastern Conference. I mean, somehow Kemba almost got snubbed last year. I mean, the Eastern Conference really has nobody besides like Kyrie, LeBron left. It's another superstar that went to Eastern Conference, Western Conference. I mean, why can't a guy like Jalen Brown slide in there or a guy like Terry Rozier slide in off the bench? I mean, I don't know. What do you guys think? Well, for real quick, for me, it all depends on if you guys consider Jason Tatum a surprise because Jason Tatum is my guy, right? I mean, he, he, He's no he sur- averaged 18 and a half points in last year in the playoffs, like – it, it it this was a hard it's a hard one for me because I'm buying if Tatum is considered a surprise. If he's not a surprise, I don't think Jalen is there quite yet, um, even with how weak East is. So that's my take on that. Yeah. I, I don't think most people would consider Jason Tatum to be a surprise at this point, especially if he plays as well as he did last year, especially towards the end. I, I wouldn't consider him a surprise. I'd be I'd be very, very, very shocked if he didn't make the all star game. You know, I think I can buy this as well. I think Jason Tatum, compare, you know, everybody was putting a lot of hype into Ben Simmons last year with the 76ers, and he is a great player. He's probably, if he can get his perimeter shot developed inside a game, he's he could be better than LeBron possibly, which is a bold statement. And that's what we've all been saying since he's been drafted. But... Tatum here, which it was really incredible, is you got Tatum who is already the more polished, more complete player. While Simmons can drive to the basket better than Tatum, Tatum can do almost everything else better right. than Simmons. So if 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 Tatum gets snubbed this year, assuming he stays healthy, get put puts up better numbers than he did last year, puts up that sort of playoff. Uh, player that we saw him become, I, I could definitely buy Tatum if we're considering Tatum actually being uh, a surprise All Star. Okay, so so no Jalen Brown for you then this year? Too early? Well, I I wouldn't count him out because look look at the talent Brad Stevens took the last few years before he got uh, Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum and Kyrie Irving and Gordon Hayward. We're looking at three players, there's three key players, which would have been Jay Crowder, Avery Bradley, and Isaiah Thomas, that combined in the last two years have been on ten different teams. Right. That's crazy. And these were key players on that Boston uh, roster during the, that 
especially that's that uh, first conference run. So he can take talent, you know, mediocre talent, and play it and make them look all star. Isaiah Thomas was an all star that year. And people were talking about Isaiah Thomas as an MVP candidate. Isaiah Thomas was a superstar that year. Crazy. That, that's that's what that's what Brad Stevens brings. So I wouldn't count it out, but I'm not going to sit here and call it either, right. because again, he did struggle with his shot and his consistency last year, and you definitely want to see that get better before you start saying, "Yeah, yeah, he's an all star." Yeah, I think for me, it's more of the matter of um, touches and minutes. I think minutes might not be so much of an issue, but I think with Gordon Hayward back, um, you got to start looking at, especially in the offensive end of the court. Uh, like you said, Joe and Brown is pretty inconsistent. And um, when he is a focal point of the offense, he ma- he does pretty well. But when you, now he's going to have Kyrie Irving, Gordon Hayward, um, to a lesser extent Al Horford and Jason Tatum all to compete with, you know, to be a focal point of this offense next year. And I think, I think you're right. I think it's going to be hard for him to be as efficient as a guy like Jason Tatum. That's why I think we all agree Jason Tatum is so damn efficient. And he doesn't need – to be the number one or the number two option on this roster to make an all-star game um, in his second year. And that's my take on it. And that's not a hot take. That's pretty That's pretty accurate. <laughs> okay, so we're all talking about Brad Stevens. John, you mentioned Brad Stevens. You, you ter- mentioned basically how he just turns nothing into gold. So is Brad Stevens – Brad Stevens takes Coach of the Year next year by herself. Definitely, I want to say bye. I think he should have had it last year. Sure. I mean, Dwayne Casey did a great job with that Toronto roster, but Brad Stevens took a team missing two All-Stars to Game 7 in the Eastern Conference Finals. Like, the fact that, the fact that he didn't win Coach of the Year for just – because it wasn't, it wasn't a lot of players that just, you know, have been sitting on the bench waiting. They're, they're going to be All-Stars too. It was – he took – mediocre talent and put them through the playoffs. So it just baffles me that Dwayne Casey won coach of the year over Stevens. So, I mean, I want to buy, but is the media going to back this up too? Because the media doesn't seem to want to give Brad Stevens a break for anything. And that's hundred percent true. But at the same time, especially looking at what the talent they have this year, Gordon Hayward coming back, the bench is loaded. How how there's only certain minutes in a game that everyone can play, I it just shows to me the pivotal mind that Brad Stevens has, the intensity, the knowledge, the maturity, just just everything. He's he's one of the few complete coaches the league has, that's not Steve Kerr. I mean honestly, he should have won it last year, and NBA and whoever voted for it really dropped the ball that like bad. But at the same time, we don't have to worry about Dwayne Casey. He's not on the Raptors no more. We really don't have to worry about Philadelphia because they can barely keep their GMs in line, let alone the head coach. So, I mean, regardless, I feel Eastern Conference, he has it. It's locked. So, Brad Stevens, in his, in his first year with the team, he took, he, he, they won 25 games. Then the next year, he took a team led by the likes of Jeff freaking Green to the playoffs. Like, I mean, that's unbelievable. A guy like Jeff Green, who literally was the guy, the focal point of this ro- of our roster, to the playoffs. 
he is the epitome of of like modern day head coach who is a player developing coach. He's a player friendly coach. Players want to play for him. AKA Gordon Hayward leaving his home in Utah to join the Boston Celtics all centered around. Sure. It wasn't the, the number, you know, the only reason, but it was centered around Brad Stevens. There's a reason why, why free agents now big time free agents are at least, at least considering the Boston Celtics as a, as a place. Especially, especially, especially the free agent when we could have signed Al Horford and Kevin Durant. We wouldn't get a meeting with Kevin Durant if we didn't have Brad Stevens. We we just got an interview with him. You know, exactly. I mean, we sat down with him. You know, Tom Brady wasn't enough for him, but you know, whatever. Uh, <laughs> he's still my goat. I mean, he, the dude took. He he's improved this roster. He's improved this team's record every single year. He has been a head coach for the Celtics. He took a depleted roster with our two top players within one quarter, one game of the NBA Finals last year. I'm buying. It's about time. It's his time to shine. Three years in a row, he was in the top three, and he should have won at least last year, in my opinion. Oh, I um, hope so. He He's deserved it. It's been a long time coming. I just, I, I just hope the media will recognize him finally because the media – kind of dropped the ball on a lot of different things in the NBA, in my opinion, last year. Yeah, I mean, the big, obviously the big one with with Dwayne Casey, I mean, that's that's the most ridiculous thing, to have a head coach come up to the podium and accept the Coach of the Year award on behalf of the Toronto Raptors and for the Raptors to have to send out that awkward AF message thanking Dwayne Casey for his time in Toronto after he was fired. That's dropping the ball, man. That's that's just embarrassing. Their job. Um, Terry Rozier, guys. Scary Terry was born last year in the playoffs, and uh, this one is it's, it's tough. With Terry Rozier, do you guys see him averaging fifteen a game next year? You buy or sell? Uh, definitely sell. sell this. Sell? No way. You don't think Scary Terry can do it? You don't think he can keep that that the hot streak going even off the bench? Well, let's put it this way: you're going to have Kyrie, who's going to play probably 37 to 40 minutes a game. That leaves really eight minutes left for a point guard to play. Now, Brad, he likes to play Marcus Smart in that in, in that sort of backup role where he'll play some of the point and then he'll swing over to the shooting guard. And so they they sort of mix the the rotation. It's more of a rotate a three man rotation between uh, Brown, Kyrie, and Smart. So I think Rozier here is just the odd man out. He's not gonna get so much playing time barring that they stay healthy. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I'm torn on this. Especially watching him do his switches. He, he doesn't switch out a whole lineup usually besides like that first switch of the game. And even then he's still keeping a guy like Kyrie or Horford or depending on the matchups, one guy's going to stay in for a little longer than just switch piece by piece. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, Rozier's that skilled. He's that versatile, that athletic. I mean, it, it's very well possible he could, but at the same time, I don't want to put all my chips in one corner and say, yeah, like, no, no matter what minutes he's getting, you know, it, it's not something I can confidently say, yes, I'm buying. 
at the same time, I'm not going to sell on it because I know Rozier is that special of a player. So I'm going to put – I'm going to stand Ray on the middle here. Okay. We can do that? Mm, I think – Not really, but my heart is just torn. I think you have – You just folded on this one. You didn't You didn't buy it. You didn't sell it. You're just like, okay, I fold. <laughs> Literally, my hand's not good enough. My hand ain't worthy for this. I'm, I'm not. <laughs> Um, I'm I'm selling. I, I agree with John. Um, the D, he played 26 minutes per game last year. Okay, uh, that's enough time to average 15 points per game when you are one of the focal points of the offense. Rozier's not a very um, super highly efficient guy. Uh, he doesn't tend to dominate games often, and he he before Kyrie Irving went down. He kind of disappears. He just—he's not—he's not—he's not ready yet, in my opinion. I think that if you put him on a team like Phoenix, I know Phoenix was rumored to like want him and even mention him as a top-tier point guard. If you put him on a team like Phoenix, where he is the focal point of the offense, other than Devin Booker, of course, where he can get thirty minutes a game to shine um, in the right in the right atmosphere, sure, fifteen points per game, he could do it, but. I think, John, you hit it right on the head there when you said that he's just not going to have as many minutes next year and he's not going to be as big. I don't think he's going to be nearly as big of a focal point of this offense. Um, he's going to have to prove himself. Like uh, J- our one of our Boston sports extra writers, Jack Buffett, actually wrote an article earlier today that I enjoyed where he talked about guys to prove um, going into the season. Terrazier was on that list because he he proved he can be a starter, but can he prove he can also be an efficient bench player? Because – he wasn't the most efficient bench player until he then became a starter. So I don't think anything more than 11, 12 points for him next year. And that's still kind of generous. Yeah. That, that is. I'm, I'm thinking I'm thinking if he gets 10 to 15 minutes a game, which will be difficult while Boston stays healthy. Ooh, you think only 10, 15? Well – as I said, they they like to, he's going to want to rotate between Brown, Tatum, and I mean not Brown, uh, uh, Tatum, Brown, Kyrie, and Smart. And so what he'll do is, you know, what you mentioned when you said he'll pull one of, uh, he'll pull everybody except one of the stars to in the beginning. That's what he likes to do. He likes to keep somebody out there to challenge sort of the bench so that the opposing bench doesn't sort of take off and get on a big run. So what he'll do is he'll leave say Kyrie and and he'll bring in smart to play the shooting guard and they'll play that for about five minutes and then they'll move smart over to the point and they'll bring Brown back in. Right. And that's what, that's what I'm saying is I don't know if he's going to, I don't know if he's going to make it to 15 minutes a game, honestly, because there's just not that much time in the game for him to fit into that sort of revolving door at guard. Smart's going to get a lot of playing time because they're paying him $12 million a year. He's going to be the sixth man in this offense. But if Smart can average 10 points a game... Rozier can do it. Rozier's a better offensive player, agree? Right? Yeah. yeah. Um, and Rozier, yeah, he, he played 26 minutes per game last season. I know, I understand Gordon Hayward's coming back, but... That's 26 minutes per game across an 82-game season where Kyrie Irving played in 60 of those games. You know what I mean? So, like, he 
even with Gordon Hayward coming back, he is. I don't see his role going dipping anywhere under twenty minutes per game. In my point, in my opinion. Kyrie was injured twice. He was the year. Twice. You know, the first first time it was with he missed a few games and then came back with the mask. And then the yeah. second time he missed that whole was it a month and a half? And then the, the entire playoffs. Mm-hmm. But he did play in sixty games. He only missed. I know he was injured like several times, but he only missed twenty-two games of the of the season. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Let's talk. About, <laughs> let's talk about Mark Smart. Um, do you think the guy can shoot thirty-five percent from three this year? That's. I mean, that's setting the bar low, guys. I'm. I'm saying thirty-five percent. Like, that's low. But do you think he can achieve this? See, the guy is a twenty-nine percent career shooter. All right. So <laughs> in, in thinking about this, and I'm going to put my serious sincerity cap on, um, I believe he has the momentum. He, he has the drive to do it. He has the hunger. He is the bulldog of this Boston Celtics team. I feel if he could dig down deep enough in his back pocket, we might be able to see at least 32% this year. I'm, I'm selling on 35. I give him 32% on his best – all right. What do you think? Like that curveball. Uh, see, what I'm thinking is there. there's two good ways that guys react when they get paid money, and this is across any sport and really probably any job in general. They either play out and they do really well or they just disappear and sort of settle with that money. I don't think that Smart has the mentality to dip out and, and not and just sort of disappear from this because, I mean, Smart, every, it's a joke across the NBA. He is the master of the flop. That takes some passion to do what he does on a day-to-day basis. So I know he loves basketball. And also when you think about Kyrie may not be with this team next year, Who's going to have to step up into that point guard position? Well, that's why they're paying Smart. Smart's going to have to. And he still sort of has to prove that he can play that point guard as a starter so that they don't go out and get somebody else to bring to come in for a couple of years or whatnot. Yeah. I think 35 is going to be really tight. But, you know what, I'll, I'll buy it. I think, I think we'll see Smart work excessively on that shot. Okay, here's my thing with Smart. Um, last offseason, this was a topic. Like, this was a topic of interest. Can Marcus Smart improve his shooting? You know, we saw Tony Parker come into the league. He couldn't shoot to save his life. And now he's out there, one of the top three-point shooters in his prime in the league. So, you know, there are guys who enter the league and can't shoot. And when you look at Marcus Smart, last year, there were training videos that started surfacing where he was out there shooting, you know, Stephen Curry threes in, tra- you know, in training camp and in pr- in pick up games, just drop and just trays left and right. Everybody was like, this is it. Marcus Smart can shoot. Everybody get on the Marcus Smart, you know, hype train. He's, he's coming. He's coming. Hide your kids, hide your wife. (laughs) And what did he do? He shot 30% from three last year, guys. I mean, Marcus Smart to me will always be just Marcus Smart. We didn't pay him, in my opinion, we didn't pay him $12 million a year to shoot 30 percent from three we paid him 12 million a year because he's a winner 
You know, he impacts winning. Everybody needs, every championship team needs that glue guy, that X factor to get you over the hump. The Warriors had Andre Iguodala. You know, the guy won MVP of the finals the first time they won it. So he's an Andre Iguodala type guy. He, you, like you said, he, you, he's famous for being the flopper of the league. But he's the guy who takes two charges on James Harden in, in a matter of two possessions to flip a game around and make one of the more improbable comebacks in NBA history. One of the best back-to-back offensive sequences I've ever seen. Yeah, he's he's amazing, but we don't pay him to shoot. And I think he understands that. No matter how hard he works on that shot, his shooting mechanics are so poor. It's so inconsistent. I just – I set the bar low, and I'm going even lower. Like, I am I think we all three sound like we're selling here, and I'm selling at 30% again. I don't think it improves at all, in my opinion. 100%. Sorry, I don't mean to just totally bag him. I love Marcus Smart. He's probably my favorite Celtic because he's got the heart of a champion. But I'm selling on his on his improving the three. I'm just I don't. He's been in the league for a few years now, and it just it hasn't seen any improvement at all. I just don't think he's going to get there. Um, John, I want to start with you. We're gonna we're gonna round this pot out um, with a hot take. I want to get a hot take as training training camp starts. Um, <laughs> let's get a hot takes around. What do you? I've got a really good hot take for you. Okay. You can expect a fully healthy Boston team to score 130 points a game. Ooh. 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 All right. Explain. I'm curious. I've been, I've been running these stats. Uh, I, I ran a couple seasons where I tried this thing. I'm calling it the expectancy rate. And so you take the career – numbers for every player on the team and figure out if they're going up or if they're going down and you put a percentage on it, a multiplier per se, and then take the top nine players that'll be in this, in this rotation and you, and and add up those points and assists and rebounds and blocks and so on and so forth. It's been scarily accurate throughout most of uh, the Boston, the last few years in Boston. So when I ran it, the numbers through this year, I got 133 points per game, which sounds ridiculous. That's ridiculous. But Gordon Hayward and uh, Kyrie and Jason Tatum, these, these are all big-time stars right now that are all capable of putting up 20 points per game. I'm not saying they will. But I'm saying just by themselves, they they can do that. One of them can go off for 40, 50, and the other can provide the other two can provide 30. You know, so yeah. you can really and the bench is so deep, you can expect this team to really score a lot this year. John, my Twitter handle was Celtics Hot Takes, and that was a hot take. <laughs> <laughs> I want yeah. to almost tweet that, you know, and I'll reference you. But wow, that was. Whew. Um, Golden State averaged 113 points a game last year. Uh, that was number one in the league. Um, 130. That's I like it. That's bold. Um, what is? Do you know? Do either of you guys know what the uh, most points per game over the course of the season is for a team? I have no idea. No idea. I want to say it's somewhere around. Uh, this is not a, um, I am informed of. Not something you're informed of. I. I don't want to be wrong in this, but I'm just going to take a guess out here. I think it was the Showtime Lakers. I think. Makes sense. I think it was Showtime Lakers. And I think it was uh, somewhere around 117, 118. 
Um, but you know, that being said, this is a league that is those numbers are going up and up and up. That would be a tremendous gap from 113 as the league leader to 130. Um, but you are right. I mean, they got a lot of offensive talent on this team now. So yeah, that's hot though. That's hot though. Porch, do you have something nearly as hot as that? I, I don't think it, it, it's close <laughs> to that because that was like borderline sun hot. But I mean, I'm gonna bring it down a little bit in the stratosphere for a second. And this one's a bit of a heartbreaker because we really love this guy, but I have a feeling Rozier's getting traded. Okay. Rozier's getting traded. I mean, I, I would say by trade deadline. Okay. Just because, like like you guys have alluded this entire podcast, we, we have so much depth at guard. And, I mean, especially if the injury bug hits us like it hit us last year, there, there's going to be that need for that one player from somewhere, you know? So, I mean, what if in this scenario we sign Jamal Crawford and he works out as like that six or seven minute a game guy, but more or less Mentor and Rozier. Rozier gets to level where everybody wants him. Now, now th- this is where it gets tricky, but this is where I can do this scenario. Anthony Davis. How would you pull off Anthony Davis for any package around Rozier? I need you to explain that one for me. All right. So Anthony Davis is going to cost a huge penny for one of the brightest stars in the league. We're going to have to dangle that Kings pick. Sure. Especially if it's only number one protected, the potential number two overall this year's draft. That's so much. That's worth more than what it was last year's draft. That draft pick is worth a lot. You have to throw that in most likely our own first round draft pick because we could have up to three this year. I don't think we're going to give up two lottery picks and players for one guy. But it's so Anthony it, Davis. It is Anthony Davis. But this is where the package gets very intriguing. So New Orleans has always had that weakness for defense. What if they got a perennial defensive player who also plays a forward position? Slide in Marcus Morris because he is that intriguing player who can start for New Orleans and probably thrive in that sort of you know, environment mm-hmm. and Rozier. For Anthony Davis in the second round pick. For for me, you're gonna have to give up a star, at least one star for Anthony Davis. You know, we're talking an MVP candidate here. I mean, if we're talking Anthony Davis trade, I, you know, if we're talking that. John, what do you got for if like if you were Boston Celtics, if you were Danny Ainge, and you could offer the Pelicans something? Uh, honestly, uh, I'm not gonna touch Anthony Davis. No. No, I feel fine because I'm already playing Gordon Hayward and Jason Tatum in those forward spots, and I've got Al Horford as a center. I, I don't want to touch this lineup. Anthony Davis can go to another team for all I care. He can stay in New Orleans. What if What if a situation happens where – trust me, I love my boy Gordon Hayward, but what happens if Jalen Hayward goes down again. Hayward goes down again. Um, or just, you know, something works out where Brown and Tatum take off and we have an expendable roster position at the, the forward guard position. Or we could maybe consider a trade like that to bolster our front court. This would be a little bold and it would be risky and it would be gutsy. But it would be something I think New Orleans would be a little more entertain, entertained to take. And it's if I were to send a first round pick in Jalen Brown for Davis. You think if you were New Orleans, Fortune, do you think if you were New Orleans, you would take that, Jalen Brown? 
if Anthony Davis is trying to get out, yeah, I'm going to take what I can get for him because San Antonio almost got nothing for Kawhi. Almost. But Kawhi and Davis are just two different players. Davis is on a whole nother level than Kawhi. I, I honestly, if I'm New Orleans, I'm not, I'm not getting rid of Davis no matter what, unless I get a top ten pick for this year's mm. draft. Unless I get a top ten pick for this year's draft, Davis isn't going nowhere. I feel I, that's like a huge centerpiece for them, just so I they agree. get a superstar. I agree with you. I mean, of course, the pick's got it. The pick has to be there. Like you have to throw the pick in there. I don't yeah. think you can get away, even even knowing that New Orleans might lose him, I still think Anthony Davis is a good enough player to where you have to toss that pick in there with a Jalen Brown and a Terry Yeah, and a Marcus Morris, you know, like that, yeah. all that. I mean, we're talking about a top three guy in the league. Would yeah. you guys think? I mean. It's definitely up there for a good discussion. I mean, there's there's just so many different players that could be in that top three slot, but you cannot count Anthony Davis out. You know who I'm not putting in that trade? is Jason Tatum. And no. Tatum involved. Yeah, no. no. Jason Tatum is is actually a part of my hot take. Um, oh, boy. Don't call me Celtics hot takes for no reason. Jason Tatum will lead the Celtics in scoring this season. That, it's not, that's as, it's not as hot as 130 points per game. I thought I would come in here with the hottest hot take. But Jason, uh, I don't know. Uh, I can't. That one's bold, huh? Okay. I, I can't. <laughs> he averaged 14. I'm not alone on this. Trust me. He averaged okay. 14 points per game last year, right? Rookie year. Um, limited. He only had, I believe, a 19.2 usage rating, which is kind of like middle of the pack, slightly trending on the low end, but had a what a, almost a 30 on the effective um, uh, usage rating. Or no, not usage rating. Excuse me. Um, I'm forgetting the term. Point being, he is extreme player efficiency rating. Thank you. He is extremely efficient in the touches he got last year. Dude averaged 14 points per game. I know that's a long way to go from 14 to 24 where Kyrie sat last year. But he had 18.5 points per game in the playoffs. He is the, like, dude get, talk about hype for this guy. Steven Jackson's out there calling Tatum. I don't know if you guys watched the Undisputed. But he, he was sent out there and he said that Jason Tatum is going to be a top 10 player in the league by season's end. By his second year, Grant Hill was getting inducted into his Hall of Fame, uh, into the Hall of Fame uh, a couple weeks back. And he told, he told in his interview, he said he thinks Jason Tatum will be on the way to the Hall of Fame one day. Dude hasn't even stepped foot on the court for a second year of basketball yet. And he's already being considered a top ten player in the NBA, and a guy who's already, you know, first ballot Hall of Famer. He's hyped. He's got hype behind him, and I, I mean, he's got the skill set. You know, we all know he's like a Kobe Bryant esque type player. You know, he he worked out with Kobe, and Kobe straight up told the Lakers afterwards, "Dude, why didn't you guys draft Tatum? You guys loved me. Why would you draft Lonzo freaking Ball over there over a guy who basically emulates everything I did as a player?" Uh, his yeah. mindset's great. You know, he's very, like, humble, hard-nosed, like, hard-working, great work ethic, great personality, coachable. You know, every coach he's had, you know, Coach K pr- pr- just praised everything. Had nothing but positive to say about Jason Tatum. Brad Stevens loves the guy. He's going to maximize the opportunities. He's going to get more touches next year than I think you guys will 
will admit to believe right now, okay? And he is the most efficient player in the Celtics. That's saying something because I think Gordon Hayward is also one of the more efficient players in the league. All right. That's my hot take. All right. All right. I'm going to try to break this down for myself and people who are going to be realistically thinking like I do. Um, Kyrie is going to play most of the 82 games this year. I really hope he doesn't miss 22 like he did last season. But, I mean, you get 20, you get even 18 more games out of Kyrie Irving than 60, 78 games. That number is going up from 24.2. Oh, that, that, that's a really, like, good take. I mean, because that could happen. In, in some weird scenario, that could happen where he just becomes the offense. If it gets to a point where Kyrie's passing the ball to him as soon as he gets to half court and he's running the system, then, yeah. Yeah. But I mean, I got my brain spinning a little bit. I like that. <laughs> I like that. So I'm trying to think of why it won't work, but at the same time, it's like, but could it work? I feel like I feel like John's over there just like holding back because he just wants to tell me how wrong I am. I know it. <laughs> <laughs> I, I can't. I can't discredit it after everything that you threw out at it. I mean, uh, with all the points and stuff, it. So I'm saying it does sound practically well. possible. It, it is possible. It's highly unlikely at this point with Kyrie on the team. Yeah. But, I mean, I did. I, I played a lot of 2K last year, so I got to see him shoot, what was it, 17 straight threes, like 25 times for a week. <laughs> That's not like, fair. Kyrie's like 2K like baller. You can't like. Dude, Kyrie's a cheat code. He's like James Harden in 2K. Him, Kyrie, and Steph Curry—they don't miss. Oh, I know, but uh, but it was a uh, it was a two K interactive episode with oh, yeah, uh, Rick, yeah, yeah. where he went out there and they they had a three point shooting contest. I think Rachel hit like two, and he, and he hit seventeen straight. And he didn't stop. Like the dude's as consistent as it gets when it comes to his form and everything. So I mean, it's not completely out of bounds. Okay, so if Okay, so if, if if Jason Tatum doesn't lead the Celtics in scoring next year, who is? Who's the leading? Did you guys both say Kyrie? Kyrie. 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 Hands down. Hands down. He he is he is the guy facilitating the offense most of the times he gets the ball. He's gonna have at least one touch every trip down the court that he's on the court. And, if and he's, he's got to be the most prolific scorer on the team. Plus the handles with the dishes. Did you guys see his like mixtape that came out a couple yeah. weeks ago, bro? Bro, my ankle started hurting like halfway watching that video. I tell you. I I'm gonna be honest, guys. I'm gonna do a lesser hot take and say that honestly, Jason Tatum, like when I was thinking about this, I don't even have Kyrie Irving as the number one scorer in this team if it's not Jason Tatum. I'm I'm bringing another hot take in here. Gordon Hayward averaged twenty two a game in, oh. in sixteen seventeen with, with Utah. Sure, was also, like, that was sure. also that was also a year and five minutes ago, Travis. <laughs> <laughs> we, 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 have, we have to watch him like facilitate with the Celtics offense before we can go spattering about like how good he did in Utah. He played five minutes in the Celtics uniform. Who's a better three-point shooter, Gordon Hayward or, or Kyrie Irving? I don't know. Kyrie. Kyrie, yeah. hands down, or is it close? Yeah. I, I'd assume yeah. it might be close. Ky- Kyrie takes more. Uh, Hayward is a little more 
open to facilitate and keep working the ball to get the open shot. That was uh, Snyder's offense over there, I think. Mm-hmm. But, man, that percentage-wise, I would guess Kyrie's a 40%. Hayward's, Hayward's probably a career 38. Yeah, so I'm, I'm pulling up um, I'm seeing that Gordon Hayward's a thirty was shot thirty nine point eight percent two years ago when he was in Utah. Basically forty. So f- right around forty. Kyrie last year for Boston shot forty, and shot forty in Cleveland two years ago. So they're right next to each other in terms of percentage. But like, if it's coming out of like that clutch shot you need, that Marcus Smart messed up in LA, Kyrie's hitting that. <laughs> okay, so. We can agree though it's pretty cl- pretty close, right? Two points. Yeah. Who's yeah. a better pick and roll player? Pick and roll player. Gordon. Gordon. Gordon, right? Gordon knows how to use that screen. That's kind of that that that's what was so hard to stop about him. And it only- Ky- Kyrie's not going to use the pick and roll as much because he's got the handles. He doesn't need it. Right. Yeah. But not only that, he has a guy like Al Horford who's sent a pick like every other drive. That's only going to enable him to do that much better. And, I mean, even at the guard tandem, we saw Marcus Smart take more pick and rolls from Al Horford than Kyrie last year. And it ended up one of them lobbing it to the other and ended in the slam dunk. Uh, and you know Tatum's going to do a ton of those this year too. Oh, yeah. Oh, man. Dude, Horford is so good at just running up and just be like, nah, go around, pal. <laughs> I mean, I'm sidetracking here, but I can't wait to see Gordon and Kyrie both utilize the pick and roll with Al Horford next year because we're talking about Al Horford's one of, would you guys agree, one of the best big man pick and roll players out there? Yeah. His decision making in that situation? Yeah. Unbelievable. Yeah. So, yeah. So when you have Kyrie Irving, prolific driver, he's probably the best finisher in the league. I mean, close with Stephen Curry, those two right there. But you got a guy who can finish at the rim, and you got a guy like Gordon Hayward who makes the right decision most 90% of the time off the pick and roll. The two, the two together are going to put up numbers. I think both of them over 20 points a game, right? Maybe 20, 22 or more. So it's close. It's, it's, you can consider within reason that Gordon Hayward, if he does, you know, if he, if he performs like Brad Stevens wants him to perform, because we know that Brad Stevens was – calling his name for years now. Yeah. He can maybe do it. Without a reasonable doubt, yeah, I'd say so, but I mean. But Jason Tatum's going to do it, though, right? He's the, he's the actual leading scorer of this team. Uh, I think Uncle Drew's going to have a sit-down with his little nephew and show him the ropes. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. It, it, and it's great to be a fan of a team where you can throw all these names as, like, your scoring leader. It's amazing. Yeah. Whereas when you got somebody like Charlotte, it's Kemba, and nobody's right. gonna, <laughs> <laughs> nobody else is gonna put anything up over there. What you don't think Frank can? Frank the Tank. <laughs> uh, I would put more trust in Nicholas Batum than Ooh, I would Frank. But Toom is low key though. <laughs> but Toom is low key. Like one on one, the kid is sick. <laughs> But he never gets that opportunity. I know. I watched watched one play on YouTube a while ago. I think it was like his rookie season or whatever. One-on-one, dude. Oh, my God. 
He put some random dude. I think it was Gortov for some reason. He put that dude on a spin cycle. Yeah. Well. Well, guys, we've had we've had a bit of a, a longer podcast today. That's fine. Awesome talking sports with you guys. We're gonna have to uh, close this one out here. I got a uh, record. The NBA record for the most points per game was set by the 1981-82 Denver Nuggets team. They scored 126.5 and 10,731 points through the entire season. Yes, I had to look it up. That's that's mind-blowing. I would not have thought it, especially 81-82. And 126, that's unbelievable. Uh, I I had a little trouble believing it myself. (laughs) Who's even on that team? Oh, God, I don't even know. I know it wasn't Mello. (laughs) (laughs) Mello reincarnated. (laughs) I mean, maybe this is like pre-Sletcher Mello. (laughs) I don't even know. All right, guys. Well, that's going to go ahead and that's going to conclude another episode of the Boston Sports Extra Podcast. Remember, you can find this podcast about anywhere. iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, you name it, we're out there. I just want to thank everybody out there for listening and uh, be sure to stay tuned as we hear Boston Sports Extras tirelessly work to bring Boston Sports fans great unbiased content each and every day. See you guys.